Well, good morning, friends. It is Tuesday morning, September 8th. Uh, we have passed Labor Day. Yes, it's true. We are uh, in the final home stretch of summer and uh, getting ready to head into the fall. Um, and we are continuing on our Tuesday morning series, looking at the Old Testament lectionary text uh, for the upcoming Sunday. Um, and what we'll do usually is we kind of try to contrast the gospel lectionary text with the um, Old Testament text. And we'll take a look at the Old Testament text, mainly because the Old Testament text most of the time is not preached on. And so I figured we'd do a little digging into that uh, each week as we gather here, at least for the time being. Uh, and today's is, uh, is an interesting one. Uh, first of all, the gospel text for this week is uh, Matthew 18, verses 21 through 36, I believe, maybe 35. I might have that wrong, but uh, you get the gist. Uh, and it is a very famous passage in Matthew's gospel because it is the passage in which uh, Jesus asks, or excuse me, Peter asks Jesus, uh, how many times do I need to forgive someone that's wronged me? And Peter going far above and beyond what typical Jewish thought was in the day, which was three times. You could only give somebody three chances, and it was sort of a three strikes you're out rule in the general culture. Peter says, how many times should I forgive them? Seven times? And Jesus gives the stunning answer, no, 70 times seven. And he's not being literal there. He doesn't mean 490 times, and then the 491st offense against you, you get to hit them right in the face for their sin. No, his point is, is that it goes on and on and on, that we never stop forgiving. And to illustrate this and the reason why we need to be people of forgiveness, he tells the parable of the unforgiving servant, man who owes uh, a king uh, approximately, or his master, approximately in today's dollars, $6 billion dollars. Uh, is called to account for paying off his debt. And of course, he cannot pay off his debt. And all he is left to do is to plead for utter mercy before his master. And remarkably, the master wipes the slate clean and forgives him. And then to the sort of audience's surprise, this same man who had just been forgiven $6 billion sees a buddy of his that owes him 20 bucks and says, hey, you need to pay up on your debt. And when the guy says, I don't have it, then he begins to choke him. And this angers the master very much because, as he says, you were forgiven all of this. You were forgiven so much. And yet you hold the littlest debt against you. You hold that up. You don't extend the same kind of grace and mercy to, to those who owe you or those who have done you wrong. And so the point is very clear that we are to be people of forgiveness because we are people that have received great forgiveness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, the passage that the designers of the lectionary texts picked out for this week from the Old Testament comes from Genesis 50, verses 15 through 21, and it centers around the person of Joseph. Um, now, if you've read the Genesis account of Joseph, you know that his story basically begins all the way back in chapter 37. And from that point on, with the brief excursion of the story of Judah and Tamar, which someday I'll do a devotion on because it's just so darn weird. Um, but with the exception of that, basically the rest of Genesis from chapter 37 on uh, focuses entirely on Joseph and what happened to him. And boy, did he have 
a pretty difficult life. Uh, starts off when he's 17 years old. Uh, well, he's kind of a, first of all, you know, he tattle tattletales on his uh, 10 other brothers uh, to the family and gets them in trouble. And so they don't like him for that. And then it turns out that uh, Joseph is kind of Jacob's favorite and Joseph kind of gloats about that to his brothers and they don't like him for that either. Uh, he even gets a special robe that none of, uh, none of the others get to sort of seal or mark his significance in his father's eyes and they don't like that either. And then to make matters even better for Joseph, um, he has a couple of dreams in which both dreams he is shown ruling over his brothers and even in one dream, his father too, that, that all of his family is one day going to bow down to him. And instead of keeping this dream to himself and just saying, huh, that's an interesting little uh, fun fact for me to hold on to that maybe God is telling me what's coming for my future. Now, Joseph decides to go and boast about all of that to his brothers. And uh, this is deeply, deeply insulting to them. So much so that at a certain point, the brothers decide to go in cahoots and kill Joseph. And so that, that's how much he's angered them through his boasting. Now, uh, it is true that the Bible doesn't really explicitly say that him, um, you know, telling his brothers of these dreams is sinful. Um, but put it this way, it's either sinful or it's just truly naive to think that there wouldn't be any consequences on his part. Nonetheless, what he's done is not worthy of the punishment that his brothers are looking to inflict upon him. And so they take him out into the wilderness with them, or at least he finds them in the wilderness. They have the idea to kill him. At the last minute, his brother Reuben steps up and says, no, 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 let's not kill him. Let's just leave him in a big pit <laughs> to die over time, I guess. Although Reuben sort of hatches a plan to, you know, show himself as the savior of Joseph by rescuing him later out of the pit. But um, that, that only lasts for a bit. And then eventually Joseph is sold off uh, as a slave to slave traders. Ends up after um, a series of events, just because of Joseph's uh, gifts and skills, ends up becoming quite influential in his master's house and basically is allowed to govern the affairs of the house and is falsely accused of trying to rape, attempting to rape the master's wife by the master's wife and is thrown into prison and he sits there and rots away for many, many, many years. Eventually, Joseph wins the favor again of the Pharaoh this time and he is let out and even given a position of great leadership, basically becoming like the president or the prime minister of Egypt under Pharaoh. And, uh, and so that's kind of where the story uh, leads to. Joseph is, uh, as Jacob's son, has gone through the pit, has gone through the valleys, has gone through near-death experiences. God has been faithful to him after all these years and indeed has given him a place of rule. And it just so happens he's given him a place of rule when the whole rest of the known world is going through a tremendous famine. Excuse me. So since the world is going through a tremendous famine, everybody is heading to Egypt because Egypt is the only place that has grain available for people. And this leads Joseph's brothers to come to Egypt looking for grain, unwittingly having no knowledge that Joseph is the person that they will be coming across. No clue that Joseph is going to be in charge. 
Brothers show up. Joseph recognizes his brothers. They don't recognize him because it's been so long and because he's sort of disguising himself. Um, long story short, all when, it, when it's all said and done, the brothers are terrified. The brothers have every reason to be terrified when they find out that Joseph is the man in charge. And yet, Joseph extends grace and mercy to them. He forgives them back in Genesis chapter 45. And this leads to a great family reunion in Egypt. Jacob and the rest of the family are moved down to Goshen so that they can have access to food and be taken care of by their very powerful brother. And yet, as the course of events go, Jacob eventually dies. And his brothers now, as we come to Genesis 50, to our passage, I know lots of background here, but it all needs to be there for us to get the impact of what we're going to read. Uh, after Jacob dies, well, even though the brothers had been extended grace by Joseph already, and even though he has been taking care of the entire family and their kids and their wives, even though he has told them, you're good with me, they're a little worried that when Jacob dies, that Joseph is finally going to exact his revenge on them. That maybe all that forgiveness talk that he had given them was simply for the good of their father. But then when the dad's dead, well, now Joseph's going to really come and get them. So we pick up the story of Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead. They said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. Very natural response, by the way. A very understandable fear. Told, I mean, after what they had done to him, selling him to slavery, threatening to kill him, um, you know, leaving him basically to, to rot, never to be seen again. It's understandable that they'd be afraid that this grace and mercy that was extended to them might not be sincere. And let me just say as a point of application for you, there's probably going to be times, indeed Luther would say there's a good many times in life where you wonder the same thing. You wonder if the grace and mercy extended to you by Christ is still true today as much as it was yesterday or as much as it was when you first became a Christian. There are times where things are so dark or our sins are so besetting upon us that we begin to doubt, we begin to worry, we begin to wonder, have I gone too far? Is God still going to be gracious to me today? It's a normal human thought. So what did Joseph's brothers do with this fear that they might indeed have vengeance enacted on them? Verse 16, so they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. So there's a bold plea. I mean, there, there's no fluff to it. There's, I mean, it's... We know that we've blown it. We know that we transgressed against you. We know that we treated you terribly. We just need to know. We need to be reassured again. Is there really forgiveness for us? Can we really depend on that word of absolution that you've given us? 
can you really depend when you gather on Sunday morning on that word of absolution that the preacher declares to you when he says you are forgiven? Is it really real? Joseph's response is quite interesting. In response to this bald confession of sin, Joseph weeps at the messenger's response, at the messenger's uh, message for him at this plea. His brothers also came and fell down, verse 18, before him and said, behold, we are your servants. Isn't that an interesting, I mean, it's a great microcosm of what happens in the gospel, right? So the gospel comes to us. I mean, we confess our need. We confess our sin, that we've transgressed against God. Each and every day, we really should. We should be acknowledging that. And each and every day, the word of absolution is repeated to us in his word, through the mouth of a preacher, whatever it might be. And then what happens? The response, the posture changes from, please don't kill me, to I'm your servant. This is really the posture of the Christian life, right? It's a daily dying to sin, being risen to new life through the word of forgiveness, and then looking, coming to God saying, I'm your servant. Use me today in my vocations in life. What would you have me do? Verse 19, but Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now, again, this is the second time in the story of Joseph that he tells them this. And there's that famous line, what you meant for evil against me, God meant for good. I'll tell you, that is a great perspective. That is a wonderful thing to be able to say. And some of you might be able to say that easier than others. Maybe after the passage of time, You've gone through things that for the longest time you could not possibly see how it could be beneficial at all, how God could use it and turn it to good at all. And yet it is possible to even go through incredibly hard things that seem like they have no redeeming value at all. It is possible for people, for you, to get to a place, if not yet, sometime, that Joseph gets to. Even though he'd been in prison because of them, even though he'd been enslaved because of them, even though his life was in great danger, specifically because of their actions, even though he had every reason to get bitter against them for what they had done, to be emboldened with vengeance for what they had done. Instead, Joseph has gained perspective because of the mercy and compassion of God that has been granted to him, Joseph can now extend mercy and compassion to them and say, I know you meant it for evil, but look what God did through it. I've been able to save many, many, many lives as a result of getting to where I'm at now. And, I, and as much as it was hard, I would never have gotten to this place without having to go through that place in the pit. This is a hard thing. This is a difficult thing. But this is a thing that one can get to when one sees their lives as one of forgiveness and mercy constantly, each 
and every day. When we see ourselves like Joseph's brothers, coming daily to Jesus and saying, forgive me, I've transgressed. Don't hold my sin against me. And when we hear daily, you are forgiven on account of everything I've done for you. Rest in joy with me. You are forgiven. Then we can go out and say, behold, we are your servants. Use us as you will. Make us the kind of people that in turn extend grace and mercy, that comfort others and speak kindly to them as Joseph does to his brothers. So that's the devotion today, reassuring forgiveness. We all need it each and every day, and we all have it through Jesus Christ our Lord, and for that, we have much to be thankful for. Rejoice and have a great Tuesday. God bless.